come. Hello. Hello. Hello, jolly good. How was that? I'd like to go back and find how many of our podcasts start with a, a weird accented interjection. Good eye. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to the beach. Here's what happens to me every time I try. I do like a some sort of a cockney accent or something like that is i do it and then i panic because i realize who i'm with yeah <laughs> i didn't know who you were with um and i'm like yeah. oh shoot yeah i probably did it wrong well well and the cockney accent like the, 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 there's there's the kind of the one that you did the the benny hill almost yeah. one of like you know yeah yeah it's a bit you know um and then the Cliché. modern one is a little bit rougher maybe a little bit more like like yeah i'm from london like that yeah. Have some of that, my son. Bosh. Sorted. Mad for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can you preach like that? Yeah, I might. <laughs> I, I would. How many of you out there, if you want Alex to preach like that, like at least a section, like a tell a story or something like that in a sermon coming up, drop a like, a subscribe, a comment, or whatever, and we'll see if we can just like strong arm him into it. <laughs> these faces they're a little bit hard a little bit like oof <laughs> if you could use all the slang too we're like uh yeah yeah boy what's the lemon the lemon and lime you the know no oh yeah that cockney rhyming slam type stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they don't even know what we're talking about by the way we're streaming early so if you turned if you if you turned on half an hour late or into the, half an hour in and like it's amazing like that's what thirty minutes in usually feels yeah like. yeah so in yeah exactly um yeah I had to go to an appointment early so we just decided to stream early and since only about one and a half people a week <laughs> actually watch us live it doesn't really matter that much yeah. I love that both of our wives are at home in the middle of the day on Thursday and our viewership is still only one and a half. I love that my wife, I don't think, has watched a full episode yet, which is fine. It doesn't does bother me. fairly often. She does it as she putters around. She yeah. Does, yeah, she does nice. stuff. She got, yeah. That's, yeah, that's more than, yeah, I, I mean, I think Allison's like, I already know the things that you talk about. It's fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you talk about them with me already, so. Oh, Yeah. Um, yeah. So last week you preached. I did. And yeah, came, give us a little bit of an illustrations. Yeah. Get, and it was, I think we, so here's what we're going to do. If you're okay with this, uh, let's do a quick overview uh -huh. quick. of what you talked yeah. about, but then it touched a few chords with some folks or in nerves, the community. Nerves, on what you chords. Mean. Yeah. It's a tense subject. It is like Jesus. So I feel like this is one of those ones. It's forgiveness and Jesus. It feels like he pokes some buttons that like that feel unfair. I think is the thing I always feel. So we'll get to that. Yeah, and um, so we got a few more questions than than normal, which is, and we forgot to put up the question slide. So clearly, that's yeah. A good thing. So my yeah, all that to say, I think we'll need a bulk of the time to address questions. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, give us so, a little bit of a flyover of where so we had So broad flyover was, we're in the Lord's Prayer, in the Sermon on the Mount. Almost everyone knows the Lord's Prayer. Incredibly still, it has amazing traction in everyday society. Yeah, still. You can wander into some strange places, and if you say to people, pray this, they can pick it up. We're in the part where it gets to, and, and it's always controversial because some translations will say sins some people will send some translations will say debts i love that you try to just pit the congregation against themselves you try to start a riot yeah on Sunday. some translations <laughs> will say trespasses uh so you know we've prayed our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread uh and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors or forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us because forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that have trespassed against us um if you want to follow strict greek translation debts is absolutely the right the right translation that's what it says uh yes yes ish ish and here's my ish because translation is hugely influenced by context Yes. And so the reason why some folks translate sins 
is because the context leans it that direction, which you then made the argument later in the sermon full towards. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you have translation precedence to yes. put sins in there because it's so inextricably tied to the, the verses following the prayer. And so yes. if you wanted to bring out that nuance in your translation, you're going to switch it to sins yes. to bring out that nuance. So, But so, you're saying the word itself sucked out of its context and just dictionary definition, super, super mm -hmm. debt driven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and so if you want a wooden translation, debt and is so, it. yeah, yeah. But, but even like more than being a wooden translation, Debts was one of the, the the dominant metaphors for sin in Hebrew culture. Yes. So so you got this like sin is a thing. It's not just an action. It's like it's got more content to it than that. Yeah. And so you have to describe it in some way to give it life because it's like it's it's not it's not simple. So debt was a common piece of language. Interestingly, historians would say debt wasn't a common piece of language to describe something like sin or its equivalent, trespass or anything like that in the Greek world. So yeah. that's maybe some of the reason we start to get these multiple translations. So in Matthew, in the prayer itself, it says, forgive us our debts. And then in the, in the postscript to the prayer, it says... For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, concretely, the word is now sin. Your heavenly father will will forgive you. But if you do not forgive the others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Matthew wants to make it really clear, it seems, that this is the thing we're talking about. We're not talking about finances. Or, or perhaps we might say we're not just talking about finances, but that's probably for another day. Yeah. Um, See because now, that... so when you made fun of me, you, I think you teased me a little bit when I the, when I started the Lord's Prayer and I said I feel like we need forty weeks on this. <laughs> now you're starting to feel it, right? You're like we could talk about this verse eight different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, uh, that's why I rest my case. Yeah, I, I just think you know we once uh, the, a church I was at we once did forty seven weeks on the Book of Nehemiah. Oh. And I don't think anyone read Nehemiah ever again. So you're always like <laughs> worried that you might push people to the point of you know, breaking. You're, you're, you're inoculated them. Yeah, they're like, yeah, I've like, had enough of Nehemiah. I will never. Yeah, you go to their, their, their Bibles and it's ripped out. It's like <laughs> Ezra. Blah. Um, so, so, so that broadly was the, the text. Luke makes sure he gets in debt and sin as, as language. So. so they both do. They yeah. somehow want to connect these yeah, two they, ideas. They want to gloss together. it yep. to make sure that the, the common covering their bases, is, yeah. Yeah, is covered. Um, so that's it. Like, this is the good stuff. This is the stuff that most energy of for prayer is spent around. Like, this is for Christians, especially a lot of prayer is around forgiveness of sins. I, I feel like I messed up. I want to talk to you about it. Um, it's confession. It's like if you grew up in the Catholic world, this is the thing you go and practically do. You pray at other times, but this is the thing you go and you 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 tell your sins to someone. Jesus' invitation is to to come and talk to your father about it. In the rabbinic culture, you know, G Jesus is really like he's right at the start, you know, one generation removed maybe of the rabbinic movement in general. Yeah. Like he's like, this is like still like formulative years. They're still figuring some stuff out and, and it will stretch, you know, a couple of centuries and beyond like from, from, from when Jesus is, but, but this is like, this is right there. And, and for most rabbis, there's this almost like, almost a very evangelical idea as I grew up with it, like your sins create a chasm. Acts of righteousness build a bridge. Yep. Chasm increases. Acts of righteousness keep building the bridge. They, they goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Jesus doesn't deal with it that way. It's very specifically a relational thing, not transactional. Um, but then we get to the crux of it, which is really, uh, the part where he ties forgiveness of our sins to how we forgive other people. Yeah. So I and think that doesn't feel fair. You brought some pretty ginormous illustrations on stage. <laughs> I did. So yes. Can you describe yeah, yeah, yeah. that? 
the tension yes. between those two things. So I built two scales, like justice scales, as we would call them. You know, you get to see one side go up and one side go down, and that's embedded into Hebrew culture. You would, when you were paying off a debt, it was always in weights, not in in coins until a certain point when coins become currency. But that language of, of weight is still there. So whenever you hear a talent in scripture, it's not like your guitar playing. Uh, <laughs> it's like you, okay. you have such a talent. Um, <laughs> it's it's a weight. And so you would put a talent weight on the one side of the scale and you would have to add a material to that weight till it, till it equaled that weight. So you'd have a talent and then you'd have to, if you were owed a talent in gold, you keep putting gold on the scale until it balanced out. And yep. then you'd be like, the debt is paid. Um, so I wanted to get the visual of that because, because we are thinking our relationships. And so I'm going to jump to this, this forgiveness piece now. Most of us are aware that there are things we do in life that are not how God would have us to live. Mm-hmm. And so in our language and our prayer, forgive us our debts, we are very aware that the weight, the scale tips away from us. Yeah. And so to pay it off, we have to keep adding something theoretically to get it to balance out. There's a debt there. Mm-hmm. But in our interpersonal relationships, our horizontal relationships, most of us, most of us, in most relationships, see the debt going the other way. We're very aware of what people do to us and less aware of what we do to other people. Even in the times where we think I kind of screwed up in that relational aspect, we don't always feel it. We don't we don't usually have that emotional intelligence, I don't think. Yeah. So you so like I'm throw this on the screen here. Yeah. Um you have this so there's the two scales. Yeah. One is the scale between me and God. And I forgot to put the signs. I, yeah. One. So inside insider uh, thing, if you're a, a podcast listener, uh, he had signs for this one too. This should have said sure. me and others. Yeah. Yeah. And then this was a horizontal line. Yeah. So there's a vertical line which yeah. is between me and God. There's a scale. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's this horizontal I feel like those line. Signs would have been helpful. They would have been helpful. But we 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 were tracking. We picture. Yeah. People tracked. Yeah. 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 So so so. And your your point is there's those scales are not in they're not completely separate from each other but we often say we we have this sense that like this scale is tilted yeah a, against us yeah. the the one with god yeah but then others wounding us mm-hmm. it's against others well that's the scale we tend to, those are the scales we tend to think most about yeah the, the, there's always yeah there's exceptions there's thing people that have done exceptional things for us but actually jesus isn't talking about those ones He's asking us to imagine all the ways that we think of the scale um, with other people being tilted towards us. They owe us a debt. There's something they have done that has has tilted the scales that way. And and now we expect some kind of return. So, So fortunately, Jesus makes this complicated ask. Fortunately, we're not just relying on the prayer to be able to answer that. We have this parable that he gives that just that 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 lays it out very explicitly in the language of debt still. Um, now, the beautiful thing with this, the, the beautifully challenging thing with this parable is we have to take Jesus' word for it. Jesus simply states in this parable that the debt that we owe to God massively outweighs the debt that anybody could possibly owe to us. Yeah. Like it's not, and he doesn't give a reason for that. He doesn't justify it. He simply states it and we, we either trust Jesus or not. Yeah. But he calculates the debt we owe to God in this story in terms that are out of whack with what anybody could owe to anybody else. It's like if the king allowed this much money to be borrowed, he is a very foolish king. Yeah. Like the margin that this person is betting on is absurd. It lands somewhere. A great example is probably, and I didn't want to get too sidetracked because I wanted to land in the emotional place of this, but maybe, maybe the financial crisis in 2008 gives maybe a little picture into this where you see these guys that they, they're running desks in banks and they've managed to like build up debts of like, five six seven eight billion dollars their their losses are just stacked up against them 
Mm -hmm. uh, now they don't they don't have to repay it like they're working for a bank it's not on them it's on the bank yeah but that's that's maybe the image that we could play with like these guys that get to this point they're like i don't know what happened yeah but somehow like i was making all these bets that i thought were going to pay off and now i'm left with a debt that can never be paid off <coughs> jesus says that each of our relationships with god is somewhere like that and then he takes the the other example of a human interpersonal relationship and pictures a servant who's been forgiven this giant debt and then goes and grabs the throat of another servant who owes a debt that could be paid off over probably a month or two it's a hard debt to pay off but it could be done yeah. um and and that's how he that's how he characterizes the the tension which which opens up a load of questions like that i tried to just throw in a couple on sunday like is this fair yeah. Like I actually had, I had a great conversation with a, a, a gentleman in our community who uh, runs a company. And at some point, someone embezzled $3 million from his company. Sheesh. And he's like, just like, I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of money. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I, I've had to process that. Like, how do I forgive that person? Like, how do I? And also then, like, as a sub question, again, 40 weeks. Uh, we we should cover this uh, at some point. How do you, how do you learn to trust again in that? Like, how do you actually heal from that? Yeah. Um. So so that's Jesus' ask, or actually more than an ask. Jesus correlates. If you want to live in a relationship with God that is full of forgiveness, um, then the same is required for others. And I think the heartbeat to that is this: Jesus offers a new way to be human a better way to be human. He offers us this opportunity in our relationship with God that we can live outside of the scale measuring system, outside of the, 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 the scheme of weights and measures. Um, if you think about it in book keeping terms, as we've talked about it before, when you write down everything, you keep your, you track your O's and your like, you know, yeah. and your, your pluses and your minuses, your credits and your debits he invites us this opportunity to just throw that book away yeah, and say, don't keep living like that. But the, the, the same book also has the interpersonal stuff in it. Yeah. And you have to throw that. You can't throw, it's all in the same thing. You can't throw one out without throwing out the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, so I had this picture in my head, like, like you had two scales on stage, mm -hmm. which I think was really helpful for people, or at least was helpful for me to visualize. Yeah. That, that he's not just talking about the vertical, but also about the mm -hmm. horizontal. And there's interaction between those yeah. two scales. But then I actually pictured God, uh, you know, looking at your illustration and saying, yeah, but there's actually like whatever it is, 7 billion scales yes. that I'm looking at. Yeah. And I'm trying to weigh those scales. And I determined long before the foundation of the world, the only way to weigh those scales was for me to, to like pay for this debt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yep. the complexity of all those scales and the weird, and the weird thing about like concepts of like the butterfly effect of mm -hmm. like uh, someone, someone's sin to debt scale in China has a relationship with mine because yeah. for example, I said something to a friend in high school that wounded them yeah, and that caused them to, have depressive tendencies and then they were really mean to their employee who happens yeah. to be the father of this person in China. Yeah. 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 My then, obsession with cheap stuff <clears throat> requires someone to underpay employees in a country far, far away. Yeah, we're, we're so tied. Yeah. We are deeply tied to every human on, on the mm -hmm. planet in through avenues of both justice and of sin. And I think that's, and that's like, and when you look at it, like at that scale, that macro scale, and you say, okay, God, can you like figure all that stuff out? And he's like, yes, I did. Mm -hmm. the, and the way I figured it out is that is, is I came and I, I, I took care of it for you because not, yeah. there's not a chance that those were all going to balance with all of your efforts. Yes. And, and that, that. The beautiful thing about this is that we tend to be more aware, as I said, about the scales that we feel like are in our favor. Yeah. And less aware of the scales that are against us. And yet there are scales that in the 
fair system might well be against us. Yeah. Letting go of the measuring system also frees you from those scales. Yep. Um, like, it, it is a beautiful gift to say, I no longer have to contemplate how many scales might be measured against me. Um, there, there are countries that have real scales against other countries. Like, I, I always feel like if you went and looked at it, like Switzerland's scale is like, you know, the only country that has like every scale is, is like for them. Yeah. <laughs> like, never done anything to anyone. Um, but, but in reality, every country has like back and forth and stuff like that. Now, now what's fascinating is sometimes the countries that have, have had the least sort of have the least scales uh, in their favor are the ones that object most to a system that gets rid of all the scales. Like, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Sometimes the people that have not actually been wounded uh, are the ones that say, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we got to be fair. We got to, there's got to be justice. Yeah. Uh, in actual fact, often people that have been deeply wounded are more aware of their own faults and flaws yeah. and are actually more able to forgive, which is... So, interestingly, one of my favorite go-to conversations when someone brings up the problem of evil, um, which I don't think we have time to get into any depth on, <laughs> but the basic problem of evil, you'll probably sense it, like, if you hear the premise, is, like, how do you have a perfectly good God, perfectly powerful God, all-knowing God, mm. and still allow evil to be mm -hmm. in the world? Why can't he just fix all of the mm -hmm. bad things in the world? And it's a genuine philosophical problem. It's, it's yeah. it keeps circling back around for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. It's a re, you know, I'm not going to solve it right now. But if someone's like, I can't believe in a God who like that, mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay, well, if God was to snap his fingers and solve the justice thing and like set all the scales right, what if he started with you? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, no, I wanted you to deal with, like, this ethereal, far yeah, yeah, away yeah, yeah. injustice. Yeah. Um, Can't he pick the 10 worst people and yeah, just fix and, them? Yeah, and fix them yeah. and the, the injustices that had been done against me. But, like, what if he went one by one, person by person, mm -hmm. and punished them for the injustices that they've personally committed? Oh, and by the way, the clothing you're, that you buy is part of that injustice. Mm -hmm. yeah. The food that you purchase and yeah. eat is part of that injustice. And what if he started with you? And then you're like, oh, yeah, the problem of evil is a bigger problem than mm -hmm. you want to admit. Yeah. And you're implicated in the problem yes, of evil. Uh, and so then, yeah. then you're like, okay, yeah. well, I'm really glad that he's a little bit more cautious and slow moving on justice uh -huh. and deals with things justly, but de deals with them um, through his grace and through the cross rather than just like exacting everything constantly because yes. otherwise he'd have to blow me up. Yes. Yeah, the, there are so many elements, as you say, to that problem. Like the other being that actually often injustice is the thing that actually brings the very best of humanity out of humanity as well. Like yeah. in the face of injustice, we are often the most like God. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about this problem. Like courage seems to die in humanity and then a war stirs up and suddenly people are courageous again in the face of evil. It's like, it's fascinating, like how those things are tied. Wow. Um, so all sorts of, all sorts of problems there. Um, huh. And we've talked about this on the podcast before in terms of our interpersonal relationships with other human beings. The overall message seems to be we're not actually very good judges. Yeah. Like Cause we, we don't have, we don't know, know the variables. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we know maybe a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the variables that God yes. knows. So that this is where this is where I love that Jesus sets this example for us, and this to me answers so many of the struggles with this, like in terms of like the value of it. Jesus, in the midst of crucifixion, in the midst of a, a an experience that actually can't be captured, even in something as brutal as. Mel Gibson's film, which really tries to lean into some of the brutality of the 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 this method of crucifixion, uh, this method of death, like we can't grasp the the smell of it, the sound of it, that any of those pieces, like the real life, the the humiliation of it, the you know we forget that thousands of Jewish people in the season were crucified, yeah, uh, crucified in their own villages, like in full display. 
that that a, a mother could watch her husband or son crucified and you know they're still alive the next day but barely alive like that like the horror of it we just can't grasp it yeah in the midst of that horror jesus is so so in the midst of the worst atrocity in the history of humanity because for the first time the person receiving the punishment has no guilt whatsoever yeah in the midst of that he can pray forgive them for they don't know what they're doing even though they categorically do know what they're doing like so like on the surface like they they absolutely know what they're doing they're, the, the, yeah, they're yeah. killing this guy yeah the roman soldier knows what it takes to swing the hammer um he knows how the force that's required to put a nail through flesh and into wood yeah the 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 pilot who gave the order knows the experience he's he's crucified thousands of people probably without batting an eyelid yeah the fact that he feels some sense of something different with jesus is in itself a a fascinating element they all know what they're doing the romans knew what they were doing when they crucified thousands of people it kept the kept the local body under like this sense of like fear and suffering yeah so in the midst of that, Jesus prays, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I would suggest he invites us to pray the same. Even when we feel like the other person that's wounded us absolutely does know what they're doing. Yeah. Which I think maybe spills into some of these questions. Yeah. Um, so if we can dive into those, um, I think we'll be able to sit here for a little bit. Um, so the first one I have here is, um, how do we forgive for something that altered our whole life and was done by someone so close to us like a parent Mm. yeah it's a tough one i mean emotionally it's a tough one yeah like we could quick jump into some pithy answers we we really want to acknowledge that oh yeah that's that's going to be exceptionally difficult Mm -hmm. So, so, and I think that's why, to me, starting with the emotion of it is actually, is actually often like our our weakness at times for the for people answering the question because yeah. Jesus doesn't give the emotions of it. He gives the like he, he's ask is that we trust him, that we owe greater debts than our own. Yeah. So, so as hard as it is for to us to grasp as human beings at times he really asks us to trust him. And so a starting point, I think, is is actually, in terms of how do you do this, actually start by conversation with God that goes something along the lines of, you know how I feel about this. You know my experience. I want to trust you. It's hard. Yeah. I want to obey you. It's hard. And actually deal with that perspective first, rather than trying really hard to feel like you've forgiven the other person. Because that feeling may never, yeah, never appear. Like, but, but really, forgiveness is actually an act of volition. It's an act of decision. It's not an act of feeling. Yeah, and it's... Um... It's not a... It's not... Forgiveness isn't the same thing as saying... Saying that wasn't that bad. It's no big deal. Yes. That isn't forgiveness. No, no, yeah. Actually, true forgiveness requires that you stare how massively big a deal it was and then still choose to forgive uh, in your heart, whether they know it or not or whatever. That's a different conversation, which other questions we'll deal with. But it's not saying this isn't a big deal. No. And the beautiful thing about the scriptures is we actually have, the Psalms are a great place to go to see someone who's trying to figure out how to forgive mm-hmm. and how they pray to God. They're like, take them out, kill them, yeah. destroy them. I hate my enemies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And God's okay with receiving that prayer because that's the prayer of someone who's genuinely trying to wrestle with the emotions that they have, mm-hmm. their negative emotions towards another human being. Mm-hmm. And God's like, yeah, like, let's talk about that. Yeah. But you realize also that that all that emotion is killing you. Yes. You're the one dying. Yeah. Um, what's the, is it C.S. Lewis that describes unforgiveness as like, um, being in a prison 
Or, no, it's it's a forgiveness or unforgiveness is um, drinking poison and hoping that the other person yeah, will yeah. die. Yeah, that's Anne Lamott actually. Anne Lamott actually that says that. Yeah, it's like drinking rat poison and hoping the other person being surprised when the other person doesn't drop down dead. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's forgiveness. The reason this is a, such a big deal in Jesus' mind is because he's trying to protect your soul from the toxicity that mm-hmm. is unforgiveness. Yes. It's yeah. not about saying to that person, you know what, what you did wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. And and very rarely when, pe- when people ask for forgiveness, there's part of them that wants you to know that they're sorry. And and actually, there's a whole bunch of stuff written on apology languages, just like love languages. There's also apology languages. But there's also this desire to be let off the hook or, yeah, or to be released from the debt, which is normal. I actually don't think a good starting point is to say, can I let this person off the debt? I think you're right that the best starting point is to recognize that you may be doing this for you to start with. Um, that actually, like, you're not made to hold this. An example that always comes to mind when I talk about this, have you ever seen um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Yeah. Um, and there's this bit right at the end where they found the Holy Grail and it's falling into this like mini earthquake, into yeah. this chasm. And, and the like Indiana's, Indy's trying to reach it. He's trying to grab it. And he's like, you know, and his dad always calls him Junior. And he's like, Junior, let it go. And he's like, no, I can get it, Dad. No, I can get it, Dad. He's like, Junior, let it go. He's like, no, I'm going re- to reach him. And he just says, Indiana. And it's the first time he's ever called him Indiana. And he, he turns around and he looks at his dad and they make eye contact for the first time. And he just looks at him and says, let it go, son. Let it go. And that's the moment he turns and he lets him pull him back up. And I, I think that that's, that's where Jesus' heartbeat for this is. Yes, there's this big system, systemic we got to deal with this whole thing. And then there's the very personal thing of like, you cannot grab this thing. This thing will kill you, not the other person. Yeah. And so God's, God's deep passion for you is to look you in the eyes and say, let it go. Yeah. And And forgiveness is a journey for anyone who's had to forgive something. That's pretty significant. You'll know. Yeah. You might have to do it every day. Yeah. But, um, and so maybe for a person who's asked a question like this, maybe the only step that you can make today is that you talk to your father about it. You say, this is what I personally want is uh-huh. I want you to kill him. Yes. But I, help, help me to take this first step. Help me to not be sucked to be overwhelmed by unforgiveness today. Just between you and me, God, like maybe yeah. the journey starts it has nothing to do with them. You don't talk to them. Mm-hmm. You don't even tell them that you're trying to forgive yeah. them. You just between you and God say, can you rescue me from the toxicity of my unforgiveness today? Choose forgiveness today and wake up and choose forgiveness again tomorrow. And then maybe on that journey, you'll get to a place where you where you can actually extend forgiveness to someone mm-hmm. else verbally or something like that. Yeah. I don't think that that's what this text is necessarily talking about. No. So Yeah, and, and I, think, I think that that... Um, it's heartbreaking when someone you should have been able to trust becomes someone that can't be trusted. Um, and, and, and so often that's what you see feeds into, what can I trust God? I couldn't trust the people that he gave me that were supposed to be the people that nurtured me. Uh, And that's where actually the deep work of psychologically processing that, you know, scripture says specifically, although even if a, a nurturing mother a breastfeeding mother could forget a child. I will not forget you again, spoken to the people of Israel hundreds of years ago, but still revealing of God's character towards us. Yeah. Um, and so that probably requires some deep work to, to process that. Hmm. Um, but it can be done. People have done it and they've done it by taking a step towards it every day for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's go to the next question here, and this probably some some relationship to the other one. But regarding last week's sermon on forgiveness, uh, there was a pa- uh, a a passing addendum hmm. made about forgiveness not necessarily equaling having not on- ongoing relationship with the person hmm. one is forgiven. 
but I honestly wish more had been said about this topic. There is a lot of pressure in Christian circles to just forgive and move on. Yeah. Maybe that sentiment we were just talking about, yeah, like, yeah. it's not that big a deal. Just move on. Yeah. Um, especially in regards to cutting off abusive relationship, toxic family members, so, so stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Reconciliation is often seen as synonymous with forgiveness. Can you elaborate a little bit more on this topic? How do mm-hmm. we practice forgiveness and, and uh you go, yeah, the question continues, but the idea is this, like, there's psychology that shows, like, being around a, a toxic person that's continually toxic yeah. is dangerous for a person. Yeah. How do we reconcile? What's wise pastorally mm. to say what's yeah. reconciliation, what's forgiveness? Yeah. And and so I think, I think, yes, it's easy to say that they're tied. Reconciliation is the ultimate goal, in, in to, or, or is the ideal, eventually. Yeah. Like a reconciliation is a beautiful thing because the Jesus story is that we have been reconciled to God. Like that, that's, that's, so when, when we get human stories that mirror divine stories, those things are always beautiful. When we see someone lay down a life for their friend, we say, oh my goodness, that looks like the Jesus story. When we see reconciliation between two people that seem like they have a gulf separating them, we say, oh my goodness, that's amazing. It feels like the Jesus story. And yet, absolutely, there can be times where there can be forgiveness and not reconciliation um, because the other person is not in the place to be able to deal with that healthily. Like there, are, I have known situations where the other person, the, 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 the follower of Jesus may be absolutely committed to forgiveness and the other person is absolutely committed to being as damaging towards that other person as they possibly can be. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, what, what I said is, yeah, that, that person may not move back into the house. Like you may never do business with them again. You, you, you they may go to, they may go to prison. Like those are not requirements of forgiveness that those things don't, it's not a requirement of forgiveness that those things don't happen. Yeah. This, uh, this is um, a little bit of a lighthearted story to illustrate the tension of this, but like a number of years ago, maybe eight or nine years ago, my wife's purse was stolen from the church lobby. Mm. Her cell phone happened to be in it. And so I was actually able to pull up, track my phone and I actually tracked it down whole adventurous story. It's actually kind of comical, but I I tracked, I tracked this person and eventually convinced the cops because they, they're usually not super keen on this kind of method but I tracked the person. We actually found this this lady who'd stolen my my wife's purse, and I eventually got a, an officer who was willing to go and walk by them. And I set off the alarm on the phone to confirm legally that he had a right to engage the suspect. Um, but then all that happened, and sure enough, phone pings. He says, "Hey, I want to search your purse." Found like eight phones in her purse a bunch of other things. And then the question came back to me. Like, I'm just like, yeah, we're getting justice. Da, da, da. And then the officer comes to me and I see this, um, unhoused lady who's stolen my wife's purse. And the officer says, would you like to press charges? And I w- had this gut check as a follower of Jesus. <clears throat> Do I, what's the way of Jesus right now? I got the thing back. Do I want to add insult to injury to her now she's ashamed she's been caught red-handed all these things she's sort of like hunched in the corner uh, over by the officer's car and i'm like starting to feel empathy for her situation or circumstance and i had to sort of have this gut check of like do i just say no and i i i decided i forgive this lady Mm -hmm. and the right thing to do for her is to press charges yeah and, yeah, because I don't think her pattern of life is a pattern of thriving. No, and so if by any chance pressing charges breaks the cycle mm. of the pattern that she's choosing, that's actually better for her, even though it might put her into a, some other uncomfortable situations in the meantime. And I think so. That, I just had yeah. to press charges, and but that was that thing where I was like, I forgave her. Actually, I was starting to feel empathy for yeah. her. But I, we decided, no, we're going to press charges because maybe by God's grace, he uses that process to wake her up or whatever. You yeah. fill in the blank. And and I think uh, the, the challenging point with all of that is, yeah, and not to say that that specific circumstance wasn't wise or that, that God didn't speak in that, is how do you pursue justice 
which is a, a healthy thing yeah. in lots of ways, uh, in a system that seems like it's struggling to act justly. Yeah. So we, we, we in this country have one of the worst justice systems in the world. It has deep inequalities to it. It's highly centralized around retribution and not around re rehabilitation. So how we approach those things when we know actually the chances of going to jail and coming out worse or more broken yep. are actually quite high. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's why it's a super big gutcha, which actually yeah. why it, it connects to our conversation the previous weeks about politics. Yeah. Also, like living in the way of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, it is not a, oh, that sounds really nice yeah, and yeah. it looks really pretty in a wall. Yeah. It's like massive gut check. Like I had to like process this for, you know, yeah. 15, 20 minutes, talk to my dad yeah. and prayed with my wife. And then we decided, yeah. All right, Lord, we have good conscience. We're going to proceed with. And so, and so the fascinating thing is as you, as you listen to this and as we listen to ourselves talk, psychologically changing your mind about something is the easiest thing to do. Right. Like to yeah. say, Oh Yeah. That's really interesting information. You've made me think differently. Allowing it to change your heart is harder. Allowing it to change your actions is even harder. And allowing it to change the actions of a whole group of people is even harder than that. Yeah. So, so like, we're, and this is the challenge with any time you preach a sermon, any time you look at a piece of scripture, like how do you take this and say, I'm going to move and act more like Jesus because of it? Like, I, I bet you lots of people listening on Sunday went away saying, oh, yeah, I need to remember I am forgiven. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. And I need to forgive others because they're tied to each other. And it's a beautiful life to live without the scales. And maybe even seeing the scales starts to change some of the heart piece and give you yeah. some feels. But actually to go out into the world and say, I'm going to practice forgiveness this week. Mm, man, that's that's difficult. Yeah. Um, mm. So if you ever hear us give you a practice after a sermon or in a podcast and say, try doing this, that's what we're trying. We're trying to get help you get it into your behavior cortex. And yeah. And get it into your bones because the, the way of Jesus is not just a mental exercise. It's mm -hmm. not a, it's not, Jesus had no intention of just laying out a philosophical theory of being mm -hmm. human. His desire for us is that we'd actually live into it yes. and discover that his way is the better, better yeah. way of, and that's why, a, I mean, apprenticeship to Jesus or discipleship with Jesus or being a follower of Jesus, all good terms. We tend to talk about being a follower of Jesus, which is the most culturally comfortable statement, I would guess. Um, but, but for a rabbi in the first century, it was quite as practical as your rabbi put his feet here, you put your feet there afterwards. Like you put your feet into the footsteps of the rabbi that you were following. The rabbi ate at this time in the morning, rose to pray at this time in the morning. You did the same thing. Yeah. So it, it actually was a system that ingrained practice before it worried about whether you believed Theology, it or felt yeah. it. Yep. Um, mm. it was like, no, 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 you're going to do it. And then, then maybe, you'll, and maybe you'll understand yeah, it. Yeah, later. yeah, yeah. But, but just keep doing it. Um, and yeah, we in much, I don't know if it's a Western thing or it's just a modern thing, or if it's just a comfortable, comfortable middle-class Christian challenge is that we oftentimes flip the script on that. We say, if I think the right thoughts that I'm covered mm -hmm. and Jesus is actually would prefer that we have bad theology and but live good theology and mentally not be able to define the terms properly mm -hmm. or whatever yeah yeah absolutely like it's like and we used to talk about this in youth men like there was a, a guy i worked with a few times in youth men he's a great thinker um like runs a great youth organization and he said i'm just playing with this phrase over and over again that for for young people following jesus public statements of commitment to Jesus might be more important than rightness of belief. Like actually just getting them to declare it and say it to others was more transformative than understanding all of the, 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 the details of who Jesus was and what he did. Yeah. Which is fascinating because it's probably not like I, I, I kind of looked at it. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure that's just young people either. 
Like, I, I think that might be all of us. Yeah. Um, hmm. So, all, all fascinating stuff. Yeah. So, we have another kind question. Kind of the question, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if there's a way to answer that question elegantly because yeah. it's so emotionally charged. Like, maybe to double down on the tension of the question. Yeah, yeah. I was just talking to one of our team members that just came back from Guatemala and she was describing the experience and said, yeah, it was a really good trip. And there was, but it was emotional because, uh, she was saying like, we were there and we were praying and worshiping and it was beautiful. And it was like, Oh, there's people worshiping Jesus in Spanish. It was like this beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. This was like the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they were done singing, I'm not even sure I can recount the story without tearing up, but she turned over and they took a break and she saw a 13 year old girl pull a shawl over herself mm-hmm. to breastfeed her child yeah. who she had because her uncle raped her. Yeah. Mm. And she was like, I was wrecked. Mm-hmm. I went from the mountaintop of worshiping people, uh, worshiping with God with in other languages and stuff and realizing the massive atrocity this poor girl mm-hmm. has experienced that she's she's a kid and she's mm-hmm. having to breastfeed her child and it's just like that's so are we asking her to forgive the her perpetrator and the answer is that's the invitation to go on a journey for her to do that forgiveness it is not an invitation necessarily to say yeah go back to your uncle's house yeah and just psychologically we are more inclined to say oh, she shouldn't have to forgive him, then she might be. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's, again, the fact. She's probably already point. gone on that journey yeah. and maybe even yeah. extended in her heart in the presence of God some sort of forgiveness. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But, 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 yeah. but it's more likely that she's done that than we will ever yes. for her. Because we look at it and we're just like, no, no, she's a perfect, innocent little kid and we, like, she's been violated. And and that that's true, and yet she will have more awareness of just her relationship with God, the, the debt, that everyone owes, even though we find that hard to capture, like, and, and her need for forgiveness. And, and let's, so, and I think maybe this would help to like illustrate the complexity of these issues. If we then, we know that that story happened, but let's extrapolate out to this uncle. Mm -hmm. This is an uncle who, or whoever it is that, that impregnates this, this girl who grew up in a society where um, a shame-based society where if you're a good man and a strong man then you're supposed to take charge of your Mm. environment by Mm. putting these girls in their place he's trained up that if he doesn't do that then he's weak that he's not powerful yeah that's not okay to teach him that no but and then he's supposed to engage like we're we're expecting him to live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus when he doesn't first of all maybe believe in Jesus and he grew up in a society mm-hmm. where this is expected of him yeah. and if he doesn't do it he's weak yeah. and his identity is threatened mm-hmm. that's not okay that was an injustice done to him yeah. that doesn't justify what oh, he did absolutely. to her no, but yeah, yeah. see the scales yeah, they yeah, start yeah. to like yeah. get really muddy and yeah, confusing yeah. Yeah. and and yeah. all we have to do is go to God and say we're not smart enough to figure all that out yeah. Can you figure it out? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and you see those patterns of life. Like, you know, my dad had to work really hard to, to be affectionate with his kids because his dad wasn't. Yeah. And he wasn't because his dad wasn't. So my dad had to learn, but the beautiful thing of my dad deciding to learn to do it, even though it wasn't natural to him is it was natural to me. So like he broke a cycle by his intentional behavior Um, so, so like, yeah, absolutely. There's no sense that we're saying, yeah, you you have the right to do whatever you want because someone hurt you. That, that, that actually like, it's another scale. It tips again in different ways, but the, the statement of Jesus, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Invites us to say, father, forgive them because they don't really know what they're doing. If they, they only have no knew, idea, yeah, but we, but that, that is who we are as humans. So, are, and, and we know, you know, we have that beautiful statement, um, that he's there, he's his own worst enemy. Yeah. One of the things we forget is we're our own worst enemy as well. Yeah. Like very few people. In ways wanna, we don't even understand. Yeah, very few of us want to turn that finger back on ourselves and say, I'm my own worst enemy. And yet that is also true. Yeah. Um, 
we are we are all broken people who don't know what they're doing. Yeah, when you read passages of like in the Old Testament about like um, punishment to the third and fourth generation, or blessing to the third and fourth generation, we might think of this as like, is that fair? Or like we think of it mm. as this like philosophical yeah. statement or theological statement. Mm-hmm. It's really practical. Yeah. You know that that's true. Just Alex's story about his dad and so forth, like dad and didn't get affection when he was, and his dad, his grandfather didn't get affection. And that's just sin traveling totally. through third and fourth yeah. generations. But the beauty about, about the way of Jesus is it also transfers generations so it's not like this massive theological statement. It's mm-hmm. just how humans work. Yes. It's how neuroscience works. It's yeah. like you are abused, hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. You're hurt. Then you damage someone else and on and on and on and it goes. But then the way of Jesus enters into and breaks the cycle and starts to ripple out justice and goodness and beauty into the world the same way. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Yeah. Um, one more quick question before I have to jet, but... <laughs> Um, how can we best approach Matthew, uh, understanding Matthew 6, 14 and 15, which is what we were just talking mm-hmm. about in conjunction with Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Uh, so if you, just, uh, for, for those of you who want to know what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's this passage for it is by grace. You've been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works mm-hmm. so that no one can boast. So the question is essentially saying, how do we reconcile? Like, this is the gospel. This is how I get mm-hmm. saved. Mm-hmm. It's by grace. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. if you don't forgive people, yeah, yeah. you're not going to get forgiven. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the this tension between Matthew text mm-hmm. is it sounds like it's by grace. Oh, and make sure you've forgiven everyone. And if you've forgotten anyone along the way, you're not forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that work? Yeah. And, and that's where I, where I tried to paint the picture of. Like when we try to unpack a little bit, why does Jesus say this? Like as best as I can describe it, it's the somewhere the receptors, the ability to receive forgiveness is tied to our ability to forgive. Like our ability to just allow a scale to no longer measure and not to try to cancel it out, to not to pay off the debt is tied to our ability to allow somebody else to not pay off the debt they owe us as well. So huh. we tend to pay, we tend to think, and I showed a picture of like my, 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 my somewhat shame, Schadenfreude experience of like driving along a highway and seeing the other side completely yeah. blocked up and be like, Oh man, you guys have no idea. Like that's <laughs> going to suck for you. Yeah. I'm um, so glad I'm not you. Yeah. yeah. It is like it, it, that's sometimes our picture of forgiveness. Like the, the forgiveness towards other people can be all blocked up, but the forgiveness between us and God is just free flowing and good and healthy. Um. So, oh, so can I? Yeah. Can I ask you if this is what you mean? Um. And I maybe this was in hindsight a way that we could have like illustrated it, but. If you have a difficult time believing that God loves you mm-hmm. and forgives you, maybe the main one of the reasons you are having a difficult time believing it, because he's extending forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just yeah. how he yeah, that's yeah. what he do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the reason you're struggling to feel it is that you're harboring unforgiveness towards someone yeah. else. Is that yeah. is that part of what yeah. you're saying? The, 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 certainly the two are interrelated. But if you're like demanding the justice of everyone else it's going to be really hard to really live in the fact that God doesn't demand the justice of you. Uh, so, so depending on your theological background, we tend to, in the evangelical world, have a little bit more um, penal substitution to our theology, a little bit more ransom theory. Like for some theological movements, the, the, the big va- one of the big values of Jesus' crucifixion was it was God's demonstration of love. Yep. It was like this, let me show you my willingness to forgive. Yeah. Like the, the theological question of like, can God forgive sins outside of the cross? Like, well, that, that gets pretty like pretty messy depending on which passages of scripture you look at. Yeah. Um, so, so that the, to me, like another way of, of picturing it might be, we have a blood system that delivers oxygenated blood through arteries 
and it returns it to the heart through veins. Yeah. And yet, if one of those major things gets blocked up, it affects the whole system. They're not uncorrelated. It's actually a big loop. Yep. It's like an electrical circuit. Like, it has power out, and then it comes, like, there's, there has to be the circuit complete. Um, it can't just end somewhere, otherwise it doesn't, you know, so a circuit can be closed, like a light switch, whatever. Um, and so, somewhere, it seems to me that it's not a work to say, do you buy into the system? That's not a function. That's not doing something in a works of righteousness sense that the first century would have understood it. Yeah. It's saying like, do you want to throw out the scales? So it seems like Jesus is saying the day that you can't do that for other people, you're actually saying you can't throw them out. You want to keep measuring. And if you want to keep measuring, God will say, okay, we'll keep measuring. Yeah. It's like God saying, do you really want fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if I treat if I, if I'm treating the other person that you're mad at fairly, mm-hmm. that means I'm going to treat you yeah. fairly, which and means it, it like doesn't land well for And him. grace is not fair. Yeah. Grace is anti-fair. Yeah. Like that, the whole definition of grace is not being fair. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that's how I would see the correlation between the so two. So maybe the way I would describe it is that I think we often get a little bit off kilter when we read a passage like this, because we are trying to figure out how do I get to heaven when mm-hmm. I die? Yeah. This is less about that mm-hmm. as it is about how do I keep the free flow of the goodness of God's way mm-hmm. in my life today? The benefits of salvation, mm-hmm. the benefits of the forgiveness mm-hmm. of sin yeah. can't flow in your life. Yeah. If you hold on to yes, unforgiveness, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's less about where you go when you die. Yeah. Um, and there's like, Yes, maybe there's implications in the sense like continually ongoing, unforgiving or whatever. You're not embracing salvation yourself and whatever. But that's not what this is about. That's not what he's concerned with. Again, he's talking, he's painting pictures in the Sermon on the Mount about how to live in the kingdom of God and how to keep the free flow of the resources of the kingdom of God in your life. Yes. And unforgiveness is one sure way to stop up the dam of the free flow of God's goodness. And you feel it. You feel it when you pray. Like if you go to God in the midst of like turning the screws down on someone who's like done something to you and you go to God and say, Oh God, like, would you forgive? You're like, I feel it. Like I feel the incongruity of what I'm asking. Yeah. There's this person that I'm still like not talking to because of this thing. I'm still like the resentment still there. Um, Like if you're, especially in a marriage situation, I'd be super surprised if you can honestly say you can be in the midst of a huge, big, like just like an explosion argument with your spouse and then wander into the prayer room and feel like everything's fine. Yeah. Like it, they, they're related and it's, we feel it. And the barrier, just to be super clear, the barriers on you. Yeah. It's not like God's like, Oh, is going to forgive you. Yeah. And then I can't stand you right yeah, now. Yeah. I'm, I'm super mad. That's yeah. not, that's not, he's like, no, I really want to forgive you. And I'm not capable of for, mm-hmm. like, I, the, the bucket, you've got an umbrella over your head and the mm-hmm. bucket of forgiveness yeah, is yeah, just yeah, spilling yeah. off yeah, of you. Yeah, and yeah. the bucket over your head or the r- umbrella over your head, yeah. preventing my forgiveness from washing over you is your own unforgiveness. It's your own stuff. Yeah. The wall. Yeah. We always think that God, God's the one that built the chasm between us and him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He hates us so much that he's got to get us. As, mm, yeah, yeah, get yeah. out of my periphery. Yeah. Like when Brian yeah. Reed says, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see him. No, we're the one that built the chasm. Yeah. We're trying to run away from him. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's why I think for anyone who's struggling with forgiveness, the practice that I would suggest, like to try and move this through the pattern of like information, like through to the heart, through to, to the, the, the actions is to to actually focus in meditation in prayer on on the truth that you are forgiven yeah. like and, and how much that Start cost there. and what it what it means because i've i've experienced that that moment where you get a gift from somebody and and like your generosity just explodes like you know that there that we see that correlation someone someone turns around and gives you a couple of thousand dollars it's very easy to hand out 20s um, 
like they, they're related. Someone forgives you, your relationship with God is restored. Mm. As we process that, it should and does become easier to forgive those around us. Amen. Well, we did it. We went an hour. Look at us go. Our new length is an hour long. So if you feel like it's only uh, only only half an hour, it's because you tuned half an hour. Yeah, we started a little early, so we apologize if that threw you off. But uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, do the things. Give us a review on your podcast service. Like, subscribe. And more importantly, forgive those that have... Yeah, uh, absolutely. If you forget to to like and subscribe and you get to choose forgiveness, we'll take it. I love it. Bye. Bye.